I want to welcome everybody back to the Behind the Well Show. This is your host, Roger Abel, here with Elias Randall. I took a week off last week, Elias. How did the show go, Jonas? And here's why I really want to know. Who's the host of the show? I I was the host of the show last week. Jonas got to sit in the big boss chair over there. I said, I'll host, but I'm not. I'm sitting in my chair. I'm kind of stubborn like that. Uh, but it went good, I thought. I thought Jonas did a really nice job. I think he enjoys filling in. It seems like he has fun when he does it. And it'll come out the week of, well, this week, the week we're filming this one. And it might be the most popular video we ever put out there. You never know. I mean, I guess if it's the most popular video, then maybe I'll step to the side and let you and Jonas do do the heavy lifting. Sure. That, that's, not, sure. that's not likely, but... Um, now that's great. Jonas has been a long time radio show host on WMT, which we've done that show for 13 years. So he's kind of a natural for this. It might be a little different for him to be in front of the camera, but in general, he always does a nice job and he has some good Jonasisms. We can call it that, that always kind of make things exciting. He always has some good script or some, I don't know, analogy that, that helps people understand what he's trying to convey to them yeah it's always something with him he's always got a way of putting things I think my favorite one is his spare tire analogy so for the listeners last week if you heard him talk about a spare tire and he so everyone has an emergency fund right we all know what an emergency fund is well any of your money beyond your emergency fund he refers to that as a second spare tire so he's just very good at coming up with kind of I don't know, simple, funny analogies that people will remember. I think that's a, probably a very positive uh, quality for an advisor to have. Ten years ago, it was golden, golden eggs. Yeah, you before don't want to kill here, the goose. He was doing golden eggs before you were here. Um, you mentioned something to me last week. We were just kind of talking on the phone, and people always ask, and I think we got the question from from a prospect or a client or, or somebody. It's just, how do you charge? What's going to cost to do business with you? And people tend to not want to pay advisors, or some people don't view advisors being worth paying. And there's been a lot of research put out on this subject matter of how do you actually value a financial advisor? Because how a financial advisor creates value and what the client believes that financial advisor does are two different things for the most part. Most clients that come in here think we're going to pick them like some schnazzy investment. Would you agree with that? I think, yeah, I think there's an expectation that yes, you can pick the, the new shiny object. And our industry is so interesting. And this is the comment that you made to me. You said, hey, when was the last time you went into your doctor and they recommended you should do this surgery, but the person, the, the patient said, no, I think maybe we should do it this way. And what I'm talking about is people, we're the only professional industry out there where someone will hire a financial advisor, but then still think they know how to do it better than the professional. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think mechanics deal with that. I don't think uh, doctors certainly don't don't deal with that. And I think that's part of for a client. I think it's an important decision that when you when you decide to delegate your portfolio management, 
and your financial planning, I don't think you should just blindly take every recommendation, but I think you should take every recommendation with an open mind and consider it. And I think the other thing people should remember, if you think about how our business is structured and how we get paid, we are trying to, within your goals and risk tolerance, basically make people as rich as we possibly can. Now we can't, right? That's specific to them. So you can't just take someone who's a conservative investor. You can do what's in their in their best interest and make them money, but you're not going to do as well as someone who's willing to have a 100% stock portfolio because they have a higher risk tolerance. Yeah. In the last, it's really been the last like 18 months. I've heard the question, what stock should we buy? I had two people in the last three weeks. What stock should we buy? The market's down. I said, none. We're going to buy this fund or this index. Why are you going to pick one stock? But they had this reward during COVID that I can go pick a stock and it goes up. Well, the reality is that that's not what always happens. Just because something is down in value today does not make that a reason to buy something. And we've heard this a lot. Well, well, let's just use the NASDAQ, for instance. It was down like 20-ish, 30-ish percent. That doesn't mean it's ever coming back. Most likely it will. It doesn't mean it's going to come back. We have a client who has a big position in it. I'm going to wait till it comes back. Okay, what if it doesn't? Or what if it takes a lot longer than Something what you're expecting else. now? I don't remember. I think I was listening to Jim Cramer the other day, and he was talking about the idea that we would buy something because it went down in value or is worth less than it was eight months ago. And that's really not the way that we should value things. When we look at the value of something, we should be looking at it and saying, today, do I believe today it's a good investment? Or will it go up from here? And not all things can you say that. I'm going to use an example. If you just use the idea that we're going to buy things because they're worth less today than they were a year ago, everybody would have bought Sears. Sears is as out of business. Yeah, as they were going out. Yeah, as they were going bankrupt. Correct. Because you use the premise that it was down it's less, you know, it's down fifty percent. It's gotta go up. No, it doesn't. Now, if you think about a diversified index or mutual fund, that's different. Most of the time it probably will go up because it's following the market. It's not dependent upon any one given company. So these two individuals who called me and said, Well, we should buy this because it's down. Okay. Do you think Peloton's ever coming back? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I think the saying of the year was we were going long on people in America getting healthy. People in America really? don't want to work out. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously. Well, yeah. And it, I, I think for that business, like the, the health industry, if you really want to make trades in that, you got to find the next Peloton the next big idea. Thing. But if you're always finding the next idea, you can probably make some decent gains in that business, but there's no, there's no workout fad. There, there's nothing that has just been like consistent that everyone did forever. They're all fads. I have a Peloton machine. I bet it's been used less than two dozen times. That's like what? A hundred dollars a use. Probably looks good in your home gym or what, my wife can't unclip the shoes. It's so, I mean, it's so hard to unclip the shoes. She can barely get unclipped from the machine. Like it all looks easy. And she's like, help me get these shoes out. It's, but point is 
if you just looked and said, oh my gosh, Peloton's down 95%, it's got to come back. No, no, it doesn't. The stock market, though, what's the track history of the stock market coming back? Always. 100% of the time. Yeah. I guess at some point it may not be, but so far it's been 100% of the time it's come back. But I think what we want to talk about today is how do you value a financial advisor? And financial advisor value is not created through picking a single investment that's going to do better than the stock market. Okay. Um, Russell Investments just put this study out and it's how to value a financial advisor. And Vanguard had done one like six or seven years ago. And we re referenced the Vanguard one a lot. But this is great because Russell came up with an acronym to remember this, ABCT. And that's where advisor value is created. And, you know, we like ac acronyms. The name of our show is Behind the Well Show because of PT BTW, by the way. I mean, that's how we came up with that. We wanted something catchy. But let's talk about how advisors create value, Elias, for individuals outside of picking the next smash hit stock that we all believe we can't do. Yeah, the so the, sorry, did you want? No, you, you take the first one. Okay, so the first letter in the acronym was A and it, active rebalancing. So, okay, what is rebalancing? Rebalancing is a, you're going to make some selling and buying decisions. So I think this year has been a great example of, I bet there's a lot of, I bet there's a lot of successful investors that towards the end of 2021, beginning of 2022, if they rebalanced and certainly retired people that are taking money out, if you sold some positions and raised cash in your account as the bear market was starting, you're probably feeling very good about that. And what you did was you sold some things when they were high, because that's, you know, everyone says, well, investing's easy. You buy low and you sell high. Um, so that's what people would be doing. Or another way you can rebalance is when we were coming into rising inflation rates, or excuse me, rising inflation and a rising interest rate environment, you could maybe add some asset classes into your portfolio, sell some things that have done well and buy into other asset classes that the outlook is maybe more favorable due to economic conditions. So that would be active rebalancing. And the nice thing for our clients is all those decisions are delegated. They don't even, they're not even part of those decisions. That's something we do for them because that is simple to say, but that's just part of our job is making sure that they're investing the way they should be. And rebalancing adds value. But the nice thing about this article or I guess white paper, really, they quantified how much value. So the value of active rebalancing is about 0.11%. So I want everybody to think about this. What's the average cost of an advisor to hire a fee-based or fiduciary advisor to manage your account? Let's just say it's 1%. 1% a year. Well, there's 0.11% right there. And here's what I can tell you about the average Joe investor who's doing this themselves. They don't rebalance. They don't do it because it's not automatic. It's not easy. They have their E-Trade account and they bought the S&P 500 and they bought Apple stock and they bought XYZ mutual fund. And they've got, let's say 10 different holdings and they just hold them forever. 
they never rebalance because they've never put it in a customized approach, which we're going to get to. The second way in which advisors add value, and arguably it's the most value an advisor can have, is through behavioral coaching. And we talk in this show a lot about emotions and how, why people should or shouldn't do things. And we try to coach people on how to be successful investors. And a lot of the stuff isn't rocket science. It's just overcoming your fears. And most people can't do it. You know, the, the siding guy comes over and gives them the next crypto pick because, you know, the siding guy knows crypto or the delivery car driver has an option strategy, you know, that just can't lose. There's no coaching. That's just gambling and guessing. The challenge with behavioral coaching during a period of time when the market just goes up, it's easy. Yep, just keep doing what you're doing. This all comes into play in years like this or, you know, the people that didn't bail out three weeks ago, right when, right when things were getting really bad. I even, shouldn't even say really bad. We are approaching bear market territory. Everybody's feeling a little bit better now. The market's run up four, five, 6%. Oh yeah, it's not so bad. But a couple of weeks ago, the calls were starting to come. What do you think we should do? And a bear, to me, and obviously I work in the business, so I have a different perspective on it. But to me, a bear market's not even a big deal. Bear markets happen. So that's something like going into it. That's a, that's a risk that you're, you're, you are taking on when you decide to become an investor and successful investors. One, you know what going in. Two, you don't convince yourself that it's not going to happen with my money. And then when it does happen, and this is part of the behavioral coaching, you just, all you can really do is make smart decisions and then just live with it. And if you're doing that, history has shown us, all the data suggests you're going to, it's going to work out. You're going to be successful. Here's the beauty of behavioral coaching and what we've done to help people with this, because I think my opinion's pretty good. I think your opinion's good. And clients probably think our opinion's good too. Otherwise that wouldn't work with us. Probably. But what we really do is we try to put the fact behind the opinion by creating a financial plan to help them make these decisions. Yeah, I have the same client I re reference all the time. 2018, this client called me up, fourth quarter of 18, market's down 20%. Raj, I think we should go to cash. I said, he said, what do you think? Should we go to cash? I'm like, well, you know, I don't think. Let's just go to your financial plan. Let's see what it looks like. Punch numbers in the financial plan. If you go from your total return portfolio to 100% cash, your probability of retirement success is exactly 0%. What do you want to do? Well, I better just write it out. Should be an easy decision at Rewarded, that point. Right? Mm-hmm. But if I just said, well, I think we'll be okay. It's always done good. It's always come back. There's not a whole lot of conviction or rationale as to why that client should write it out. Other than I think in this scenario, it was my probability of success is 78% having a total return portfolio or it's zero going to cash. And Easy I, decision. And I think your, your point there. I think the behavioral coaching you're getting from your advisor, it should provide a level of conviction and confidence. It shouldn't. That's really what it's supposed to do. It should be backed up by some level of financial data. It shouldn't just I be, hey, I too. think. Like, that's the way we did it 25 years ago. Yep, I think XYZ is a great stock. 
That's not what we do. That's not how we provide value. If your advisor is not doing a plan, you should probably go and get one done, which, you know, you can go to our website at btwellshow.com and we can get a plan done for you. Okay. So that's one same client, fast forward COVID. Guess what happened? Same phone call, same phone call, same rigmarole. This time I couldn't talk him a hundred percent off the ledge. He moved some of it out of the market when it was like 20,000, but ultimately it's his money. I mean, I can't say, no, you shouldn't do that. Or I won't do that. Fast forward again, no, November last year, I get the phone call. I'm never going to do this myself again. <laughs> I just reviewed with them a month ago. Guess how that went? Probably the best review for a he long time. He didn't even ask what we should do. He's like, I'm just not checking. Before the meeting, he sent me an email. He goes, hey, I don't know if retirement's looking that good now. You know, he was just teeing up. He hadn't really even looked at his accounts. So I went back and said, well, were you happy last May with your account? Well, yeah, I was. Well, did you know you actually have a positive return since last May on your account? You, your account is worth more today than it was last May. So why would you be worried about retirement? If you weren't worried about it a year ago, why are you worried about it today? And I pulled out the financial plan. And once again, you're gonna have to go back at an inch. So I pulled out the financial plan and once again, everything is all okay. But I framed this in a way that he didn't feel bad about the market being down 15 or 20%. It's the behavior part of it, not feeding into the emotions. So there's one client that how much value did I have by not going to cash in 2020 or 2018? Who knows? I mean, enough value to 10, cover 20, the cost for a long time. Probably for as long as the client will ever work with me. Probably. And the challenge of valuing an advisor is our value, our, our value may not be perceived or realized all in one, any given year. It could all come at one time. Or most or, or comes, yeah, or comes over a period of years. Right. So it's not always just noticeable. And it's small. I mean, in a think small about amount of time. if you have an advisor and you're paying 1% a year, 0.11% is rebalancing. All we got to find is 89 basis points the rest of the time. 0.89% should be fairly simple. So now that we've talked about behavioral coaching, let's actually talk, Elias, about how much value is added. It's 2.37% on average. 2.37%. But think about it. The, the, the client I just talked about, if I added 20% of value because I kept him from cashing out when the market was down 20% in 2018, let's just say it's 20. Market's up way more than 20% since 18. Just say it's 20. That's I bought myself nine years of value to average 2.37. It's like nine years of value one time. So the average value through behavioral coaching is 2.37%. So A active rebalancing 0.11%, behavioral coaching 2.37, we're at 2.48%. If I told clients that my fee was 2.84%, some would do it. Most would be like, that's way too expensive, but that's what I'm worth right there. People balk at 1%. How? How do you value this? Because someone else charges it? What are you getting? So uh, Yeah, and what to me, 1% is cheap. It is cheap. We keep it easy. Yeah. 
I know we keep it simple. I just, just here, just going talking through how these values, how they, how they figure these values. I mean, that's, we de everyone's delegating their planning, portfolio management, all of these decisions. And it's not, you know, it's not worth nothing. I mean, clearly the, this study shows and proves there is value there and we're not, we're not charging the full value of that. So you could argue, well, we could probably charge three times what we do. So we're probably given a pretty good discounted service. For sure we are, but people don't value because they still come in. I want to tell us how we should do it. We, we don't listen. I mean, we don't listen. We don't have to listen. I'm to just it. joking. As you brought but... that up, you're like, we're the only industry people come in and be like, oh, I think we should do it this way instead, even though I hired you. I know, but it's, a, I think it's also a product of, you know, there's not, not every industry has media or a cable channel dedicated to it. Endless amounts of information available. It, it literally impacts everyone because we're working with money. Yeah. So I, I think it's more of a product of there's all this information and in everyone, if you start Google searching or you look up any investment topic, well, now you're going to start getting put in front of you, you know, this guy on YouTube, he knows a trading strategy that never loses this other person on TikTok, They can buy, they always buy stocks at the perfect time. So it's just a constant barrage of here's all this information when really the professionals working in the business, they're, they're the people that are filtering out all the garbage and getting the good information, getting their clients access to good investments, and then doing all the prudent things, financial planning, portfolio management, and doing it the right way. Well, and that leads to the third one. And this is really probably what separates, you know, having an advisor and not, and doing this yourself is the advisors creating a customized experience and family wealth planning. And that that's a big thing, but a customized experience is I'm creating a customized, unique financial plan for each individual in their circumstance and matching the, their goals and priorities to execute this. And some people's goals and priorities aren't maximum return each year. Some it's how do I move this money from this generation to the next generation in concert with my values and paying the least amount of tax possible. I think, I think that's insightful what you just said. I, cause really some of this, I feel like the returns is more of a product of being a, of being a successful investor. Cause to me, if you do the right things within a plan that you've crafted, the returns will be there. Like the success will be there. Um, and if your only goal is maximum returns to me, that's not really, it's not really a goal. Like that, that doesn't really mean anything to anybody as far as well, planning. What's maximum and, mean? Well, I mean, it's simple. If your goal is to just get maximized return, just buy a diversified all stock portfolio and don't ever sell it. You'll get the, that's your maximum return right there. Well, not necessarily. Cause what if you didn't buy the right stocks? Wait. It's not the maximum. Maximum is impossible. Think about how the only way to get the maximum portfolio possible. Think, people should think about this. The only way to get a maximum return is to pick the best performing stocks each and every single year. Okay, good luck doing that. But that's what I'm saying. We Oh, I want maximum return. Well, okay, doesn't exist. I mean, Warren Buffett doesn't pick the best stocks every year. Nobody does. Nobody can. 
So why maximum return should never be a goal for anybody. It should be a, hey, what's my goals? How do we accomplish it in concert with the financial plan? So that's three, customized experience and family wealth planning. That equates to 1.21% of advisor value each year. I would, this one here, I think a lot of this is probably realized in the asset transfer stage of life. Getting a lot of the, these funds to the next generation with the least amount of tax possible. When you're talking about the customized planning? Yes. Yeah, I mean, the family wealth planning portion of that, it's transferring those assets from one generation to the next. And then the fourth, which, you know, people think about less often. Everybody thinks about this, but they don't think about how it works into their financial plan or their investments is tax smart planning and investing. I always tell this joke in 2009, I met a gentleman, I'll call him a mentor of mine. And he looked me in the eyes and said, Roger, did you know there's two tax codes in America? And I'm like thinking through my head. I'm like, no, like, no, no, there's all kinds. And like, there's all these tax brackets. He goes, no, there's only two. I go, really? What, what are they? He goes, there's the informed and the uninformed. And we all have a choice which tax code we're going to subscribe to. I'm like, that's a nice, simple way to put it. <laughs> this is being in the informed tax code, making sure that the investments you are choosing are in concert with your values. And I'm going to give you a way that people don't even think about you can, by adding, think about adding value this way. Market's down 20%, let's say this year earlier. Then you have a non-qualified investment. And let's say it's growth. Let's just say it's a growth stock. It's Apple. I don't care, whatever. And this stock from the time you bought us down 20%. Well, you know, you could sell it and buy a different stock and take a tax loss on it. Doesn't mean you can't own it again. You can't own it for another 31 days. But you could take the loss and start building up a tax loss in times of chaos versus sitting back and doing nothing. So it's kind of like, how do I turn lemons into lemonade? Well, there's always a silver lining somewhere to benefit somebody. I think the ta I think the tax loss harvesting topic, that's always like really popular topic at the end of the year. But this year, it probably should have been one of the most important topics already throughout this year. Well, the reason it's popular at the end of the year is because people are trying to offset their gains. Like, because most years, if the market goes up 80% of the time, we have to offset the gains. Well, the beauty is if you just take some losses now, offsetting the gains in the future won't be quite as hard. Yeah, hopefully at the, the end of the year, it'll be easier. You got it. So it, it actually, and this even goes back to the first one. And Elias, tax loss harvesting actually goes back to the very first one you talked about, active rebalancing. Active rebalancing, if you're actively rebalancing your account and, and making changes or having a professional do it because most, most individuals will mess this up, you automatically get tax loss. If you rebalance in May or June or April, there's some losses in there probably. You automatically got them. So... Tax smart planning and investing is equal to 1.22% a year. So if I add it all up and I'm just going to do quick math, it's like 5%. 4.91. 4.91%. Arguably, we're working for about 25% of the value we add to people. So that's a great way to answer, you know, this is what I do for people. 
And this is what we charge because we get asked that a lot. And one of the biggest things I think that we do for people, especially the people entering the distribution phase, and I'm talking about this because CNBC just released this article, is we create a distribution strategy for people. How do I get this money out of my account the best way possible? Because how you saved it and how you became wealthy, it's not the same way to get it out. Okay. CNBC had an article that says why 2022 has been a dangerous time to retire. What you can do about it. And this is all about sequence of returns and distribution strategy. If you were retiring in 2000, 2022, you had no cash in your account. It was all stocks and just say like a core bond fund. And you went into the year with a million dollars. Right now, how much have you lost? 50, 50, 50% stock, 50% core bond. I don't know, 10, 10. ballpark of 10%. Core bonds are down 9%. Yeah. You didn't have a distribution distribution strategy. You're down $10,000 or 100,000 right now. You had no distribution strategy. What is a distribution strategy? We have a cash bucket. That's where we take the distributions from. We have an income bucket, a growth bucket, and a legacy bucket. And people that are retiring, more than likely, if they have a way that they know they're going to have a dependable income coming out, they're not going to be as concerned about this. We're eliminating the danger. By having a distribution strategy, you eliminate the danger in retirement. Yeah, and with a distribution strategy, so most of the time everyone's growth bucket, their stocks, that's what everyone's always really interested in because that's where over the long term you're going to get your highest returns. That's where the biggest fluctuations are. So that's like there's the most excitement in that bucket. But to me, this year has been a very good lesson of the most boring bucket in the whole plan, and that's your liquid bucket, your cash that's available if you're taking cash out of your portfolio to live on. This is it's for people that had enough cash. I'm sure they're very happy that they did. And it doesn't mean that if you didn't and you have to sell right now, that's not necessarily that's not the end of the world, right? Because you can be a little uh, as the market's been trading up a little bit, you can probably find some opportunities in your portfolio if you need cash to sell something and raise some cash. Um, you know, you don't you don't want to make the same mistakes twice, right? I guess is what I'm getting at, where if you didn't rebalance at the beginning of the year, you didn't have enough cash throughout the year, maybe you need to be more selective right now, but there still should be some opportunities and, you know, don't, don't wait too long because you always think, well, I had to wait till I get all my gains back to sell. If you need to raise some cash, just be a little more selective right now on how you do it. Yeah. We've had the question, Hey, I want to, you know, I did a Roth conversion, but I'm going to use some funds from my brokerage account to pay some of the tax on it. Which one should we sell? Well, we're going to hold off and wait a little bit and we'll pick the dogs with the least amount of fleas possible. And sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. But hopefully you don't, because what you don't want to do is lock in your loss just randomly go to your 401k and say, Hey, I need $5,000 this month and just sell the one that lost the most amount of money. Pick the one that lost the least amount, lock in the lowest loss possible, not the biggest. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show today. Elias it was really fun for me to be back on and, uh, you know, maybe we'll have Jonas on. We should do maybe a three person, sh three person show sometime. That might be a enjoyable little show. It might be, it might be. We're, we're happy to have you back. If anybody needs any help getting a financial plan or a 
retirement income distribution strategy, you can get us at btwellshow.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.